Welcome back to Ascend Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we're in John chapter 19. It reads, Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him, and the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law he ought to die because he has made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have the authority to release you and the authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you're not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at the place called the Stone Pavement in an Aramaic, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king. They cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus, and he went out, bearing his own cross, to the place called the Place of a Skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read that inscription, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but rather, This man said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation, and so the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. For one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, that you also may believe. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, They will look on him whom they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. 
So they took the body of Jesus and brought it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. For today's Nugget of Truth, we're going to focus on the fulfillment of Scripture that we see taking place in this passage. Three times in this passage, it specifically says that the Scripture might be fulfilled, or some other phrase meaning that same thing. And that helps us to understand the way in which John is framing this discussion. Because as we think about what he's doing here, he has possibly the greatest challenge to the faith of the disciples taking place. And yet he wants us to see and understand what they failed to see at that time. The first time we see this thought is as these individuals were casting lots for his clothes. We see it again as we look down a little bit further, as he says that it was to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. And then the final one is a twofold part, where they say that these took place to fulfill the scripture, not one of his bones will be broken, and another scripture that says they will look on him whom they have pierced. And so as we look into this thought of what's happening here, we have to understand that all of this was taking place in accordance to what God had planned. God was not taken aback by what took place. He was not surprised that Jesus was dying on the cross. But this was his plan for the redemption of his people and the nation of Israel, the nation who rejects him in this chapter, saying that we have no king but Caesar, up there in verse 15 of the chapter. We see that all of this is happening as God has planned it to happen. Jesus was to die as the great Passover lamb for the nation. And so it was supposed to be a glorious celebration in terms of that they would celebrate with him as their sins were being forgiven. But because they've rejected the Passover lamb, they're actually in judgment at that point still. And the crazy thing to think about is the people who are celebrating at this point in time what they have done in terms of the crucifixion of Jesus are the people who should be in mourning. But the people who are in mourning are the people who are soon going to be in celebration because of the way in which Jesus' death on the cross turns the entire world upside down. He does that so that then what happens with the gospel is revealed to all people. And there's a strange reversal that takes place in terms of the position of those celebrating versus the position of those mourning. And that fulfills the scriptures about about what Jesus was coming to earth to do. And so the disciples had not yet fully understood it, but John gives us these glimpses as we walk through his account so that we can understand and follow what's taking place. It's hard for us to put us in the disciples' feet and to see what they're doing and what they're thinking in this time, but John allows us to know the further things that they were reading back in and placing into the context of what was taking place so that we don't miss what they missed and that we might be able to see what they were unable to see at this period of time, so that we can see the totality of Jesus' mission in light of what he's doing. So today, as you think and meditate on this passage, what I want to challenge you to do is to think about what your response to the cross is today. While we certainly weren't standing there at the cross watching this take place, we do have some understanding of where our heart's focus is at this point. Are we seeking to see the way in which God has revealed himself to us, and are we responding rightly to that, seeking to understand in a greater sense what he continues to do each day in our life? 
Or are we simply following the masses? Are we just doing what those around us are doing, whether they be good or bad examples? What is it that motivates us to respond? What is it that helps us when we find periods of lack of understanding to put ourselves back on track and to help us to see the truth in light of what God continues to reveal to us? And so I hope that this is a good exercise in terms of taking the cross, taking what we know and seeking to build upon that so that we grow in our love and grow in our response to the gospel each time we see, hear, or read about the way in which Jesus died on the cross for us. May we never tire of hearing of the great victory of the cross, and may we never tire hearing of the way in which Jesus suffered on our behalf, that that would motivate us to respond with a great humility, knowing that our sinfulness was what put him on the cross, and that only his righteousness could free us from the penalty of sin and death that we have. So I pray that that helps us to focus our thoughts in this passage today. As far as a question for this passage, we can look at verse 22 to see what some people have noticed about Pilate's response here. And they have a question, hey, is Pilate displaying here that he's coming to a greater understanding of who Jesus was? Does he really acknowledge that Jesus was the king of the Jews? And as we look into this greater and we understand a little bit about what's going on historically, we see that that's actually not the case. You see, Pilate's been really pressured into this situation because he made some poor decisions previously that had kind of put pressure on him from Rome. And so as these people are kind of putting him in this place to say, hey, you need to crucify this person or you're no friend of Caesar's, then he says, great, well, then I'm going to say that he was saying that he's the king of the Jews, and therefore I will crucify him as the king of the Jews. And so this was a common custom for them to put this placard on these people who they were crucifying about kind of what their charge was and what was taking place there. And so they don't want him to be called the king of the Jews, but they say that he was claiming to be the king of the Jews. But Pilate kind of uses this as an example to say, hey, you know, you pressured me into this situation. I'm going to say that he was the king of the Jews. And so it's not necessarily that Pilate is displaying this change of heart or this change of faith in this situation. But when we look at it, really, Pilate is kind of going, uh, you know, punch for punch with these people who have pressured him into this situation. And he is kind of using this as an underhanded way to say, yeah, sure, you guys might not believe this, but I'm going to go ahead and say this because you guys need to acknowledge that I'm actually the one who's in control. And so in no way is it actually him saying that Jesus was the king, nor is he actually having a softening of his heart to acknowledging the true kingship of Jesus in this situation. So he's just kind of going back and forth with these people who have pressured him into this situation, of which he really didn't want to be involved with, but his poor decisions previously in his reign have kind of made it so that he has to do this, so that there's no upheaval and no removal of him from his position. Um, So maybe that was your question. Maybe there's something else in here about the different things that are mentioned, about the specifics of these scriptures that are fulfilled that you want to look at. As we look through this, it doesn't always give us the place that the scripture was, so sometimes we have to go digging for that. I think that would be a profitable search for you. You should have some tools in your life that can help you to easily find those, uh, as well as talking with other people who are doing the same thing, seeking to grow in their understanding of what God's Word has revealed to them, and seeking to respond rightly to that, and responding rightly today to the cross. May that be the thought that we walk away from this with today. Know today you are loved. You are